Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. We are in so much change and change has been the word of the day. Change this, change that, change climate change, um, business change, politics change. Everything is all about change right now. But the other word that's always in in the message is transformation. And so, you know, today we're going to talk about what is HR's role in transformation versus their role in change. My guest today is my ever-present, Ms. Deborah Snow Walsh. Hello. Hello there. How are you, Denise? And for those of you who are uh, fans of the podcast, you know that Deborah is currently uh, working for Brown and Brown. She is their head of talent for them. But prior to that, she and I have known each other more years than we either one of us will ever admit. Um, she has been a mentor, a friend, and a comrade, and a drinking buddy every now and then. Um, but she is a builder of organizations and talent executives. Her focus on DEI and thought uh, in thought and views has been honed through having her own business as an executive search uh, executive search firm, working particularly with the Fortune 200. Um, And she did that for a number of years before going inside a company. And to her credit, she has been able to change when necessary and transform when it was required, whether she was the head of her own organization or she has come inside this organization or previous organizations that she's worked for. So if you're trying to understand what is the role of HR And is it different in change versus transformation? This is the podcast to listen to. Now, with that, let's start off with what is the difference between change and transformation? What do you think, Deb? I think changes or changes are things that happen to an organization uh, sometimes from the outside. Uh, Industries change. Uh, the economy changes and you must do things in a different way, a different process, a different procedure in order to accommodate change that occurs from the outside. I think there's changes that occur from the inside. Um, people leave, people change, people become available. Talent is there. Um, you decide to change uh, initiatives within an organization. But I think transformation is deeper. It might have external influence in it, but it requires what's been talked about as foundational shifts. You know, an example, we've grown a business, we've grown 
a large business or a piece of our business a certain way for a number of years, and we've been highly successful at it. Mm-hmm. In order to grow to the next level, to the next step, we can't do business the way we've always done business, and we need to impact that growth in a different way, which will cause us to transform the way in which we've done business. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what transformation is. Everybody agrees that we need to do it, but doing it is painful. Mm-hmm. Changes are painful, but you know everybody whines and complains about them, but you can do them. Mm-hmm. Transformation is painful and complex. And I would argue that human resources leads that transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would argue that human resources touches every part of the organization, if they're good at what they do, mm-hmm. they touch every part of the organization. They have they have been the confidant for leaders within you know, major parts of the organization, for the leaders in every part of the organization. And therefore, they have, you know, again, assuming that they're really good at what they do, they have influence. They have the interest of the organization at heart. They have the confidence of the CEO. Uh, They have the confidence of their C-suite peers. And that gives them an enormous amount of power to be able to help the CEO and the C-suite transform the organization to the next level. That's what a good CHRO or chief people officer does. I uh, acts as the guiding light for the organization to transform in every nook and cranny of the organization to lift them up to do the heavy lifting and help them do the heavy lifting to transform the organization. It's scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. complex. Mm -hmm. It's what matrix managed organizations do. And to get to that big spot, whether it's big in your industry or whether it's big in the Fortune 500, that transformation and learning how to do it and leading it mm-hmm. is an important piece of human resources. I, I think there's a couple things I want to tease out. The first is the difference between change and transformation. I think if we look at it from an academic point of view, we, it's technical change. Um, change is generally technical you bring in a new software system, you decide you're going to expand your territory, you bring on, a, if you're a franchisor, you're you know buying up another um, store franchise and you're expanding it. But it's generally upgrading what you're currently doing. I think transformation tends to be when you when you have to change what you're doing fundamentally, but it takes place first from a behavioral change. And yes. that's what makes transformation so much difficult, Dif- so difficult anyway. So this idea of, you know, yes, we whine when it's technical change or expansion we're already kind of doing, we're upgrading something, but we have the foundation already in place. And we're just, you know, kind of changing some of that piece there or making a, uh, you know, some movements or rewriting a policy procedure, those kinds of things, putting in a new project. But transformation generally requires, always requires behavioral change first. And I think that the difficult part for HR is not just from the CHRO's point of view, because you're right, the CHRO, chief human resources 
officer, whoever that is, whether it's a small company and you're just a director or whatever, you you have the ear of and you generally know when the business is trying to transform and why it's trying to transform. The difficult part is everybody who reports up under you because they've got to con- they've got to change their behavior and their thinking every hr person in there from keeping the ship right size in the current to helping those managers directors supervisors rethink and redo transform their behaviors to begin to accommodate where the organization is going. I, I always, I've started quoting your um, Wayne Gretzky, you know, you don't skate to where it is. You skate to, you don't skate to where the puck is today. You skate to where the puck is going to be if you're actually going to win right. the game. And right. I think that is the hardest part for HR people. And it's also the part of HR that they don't spend a lot of time on when you're below kind of that chief human resources officer. And so the hard part I think for HR is how do you, empower and and inspire and teach your HR people how to be transformational agents. I think that's absolutely right. And in light of doing that, mm-hmm. we all are in a situation, all of us, whether we work for ourselves, whether we're consultants, whether we work inside an organization, we are all hampered by the ability to think and have time to think mm-hmm. when we have a job in front of us that requires action and tactical response and the ability to think not only outside the box, but just to have the time to think Mm -hmm. about how we can transform besides Mm -hmm. doing that job. This is from an article, actually a CIO article about it from John Polinkas, but it says transformation is fundamental in nature. And when it's done right, transformation has a permanent and far-reaching impact throughout the organization. That's different than changing, than Mm -hmm. changing the way you do stuff, than Mm -hmm. changing to accommodate the industry or Mm -hmm. changing to accommodate the problem or fixing Mm -hmm. a problem. It's talking about taking the organization to a completely different level, which is happening right now in many different industries. I mean, think of the transformation that occurred because of COVID. Those are the easiest things to think about just yeah, from the last yeah, two and years. Pinpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the transformation of the restaurant industry, the transformation of the hotel industry, mm-hmm. the transformation of the airline industry. Yeah, and quick service. Uh, those whole, you know, the Wendy's, the McDonald's, the um, Starbucks, all of them and how they had to redesign and not just redesign, but they had to rethink how their business is. Um, DoorDash, the whole thing. And how are those fast food places going from paying people $7 an hour to doubling and paying them 15 and 18 and $20 an hour? Yeah, just to keep telling. Yes. And how does that affect your budget? Mm-hmm. How does it affect your your um you know, your profitability, mm-hmm. margins. It, yeah, the margins in there and the investors that are invested in that and your mm-hmm. shareholders. I mm-hmm. mean, those are public companies, big public companies mm-hmm. that have done things for many, many different, you know, for different years and different ways in different markets. Mm-hmm. They've adjusted to the markets. They've adjusted to Europe. They've adjusted to Asia. They've adjusted to lots of things. They've adjusted their menus. 
but that's just that's just one but lots of transformation permanent changes in the way they do business mm-hmm. for them it was just to keep their businesses mm-hmm. for companies now it's what do we look like in 5 years what do mm-hmm. we do look like in 10 years how are we going to double in size in 3 years mm-hmm. and double again 3 years after that and so if you bring it down inside your organization that level of transformation has really hurt those managers are those frontline people and HR has to be there to help them get through that because employee, no, none of us like to be told we have to change. You know, change it's change that is imposed um, is always resistance. And to help a manager or a director or man, you know, supervisor figure out how to manage employees who, through their own resistance first takes them thinking about their own resistance. And I'll tell you something that um, we speak of about fast food or quick quick service. Um, uh, I drove. I stopped by a Wendy's uh, on my back, way back from a client's place, and. Uh, and normally you listen, you know, you, you go through the drive through you've got somebody's voice there. It was an automated voice taking oh the order. <laughs> and how does that change? And how does that change the way employees have to have to do and the need for ch- employees? So, you know, my mind went to by eliminating the need for somebody on the you know, the taking the orders and the in that particular way. And we've seen we've seen it kind of coming anyway, because you know, now they have kiosks that you can go in and you can hit the kiosk and whatnot. But now we're changing the way drive-throughs are going. What does that do to the skill level that you need for people inside your, your organization? Do you need them? And did they take the money from eliminating that extra person who only takes orders? to give those salaries to the people who actually are doing the delivery of the food. So all of that has to, you know, a manager has to think through all of that. And what happens when, you know, the AI goes down or the automation goes down? Do you have to train somebody to be able to jump on and now start taking orders? There's so much transformation in what you're doing. Do you have to think about somebody wholly different in terms of being able to do that and to work with the AI um, so that they, manage the process? And is it managed locally or is it managed like air conditioning from some centralized place in Texas? And I'm sitting in North Carolina. Look at United Airlines closed down. I mean, United Airlines Mm -hmm. is hometown airline for me. Mm -hmm. So United Airlines closed down. What day was that? Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. They stopped flying for an hour because there was a glitch in the system. Ah. People couldn't, uh, pilots and flight attendants and I think even grounds crew, I'm not sure about that, but for, for sure pilots and flight attendants couldn't log in to get into the flights that they were supposed to be assigned to. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the whole system had to be shut down for an hour. You know, we're not talking about a girl with a screwdriver to fix mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Who fixed mm-hmm. that? And how mm-hmm. did it get fixed? And for an hour, well, you know what happens when the, uh, O'Hare shuts down in Chicago. Mm-hmm. If O'Hare shuts down in Chicago or Denver or Atlanta, if if one of the three or four big mm-hmm. airports in the nation have to shut down for weather for an hour, everything's a mess. It's yeah. chaos across the whole system because those are key airports, you know. And I, again, I'm not in this business, so I don't know, but I would expect LaGuardia, JFK, uh, mm-hmm. O'Hare, Charlotte, Hartsfield, Hartsfield, Miami, Charlotte, Orlando, Miami, Denver, <laughs> you know, everything. Everybody. Is, 
yeah, LAX, everything is a mess. If it just shuts down for an hour for weather, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. it shuts down, you know, and anyway, so transformation is Mm -hmm. looking at whatever your business is from the lowest level to the most senior level and looking at your right behavioral changes Mm -hmm. that have to be made in order to think about your business in a different way. Um, And the profits come in the same way for the most part and the sales come in the same way for the most part. But how does the actual delivery of the service or the product that you're doing or the manufacturing happen? I mean, the auto industry, another industry had to totally change from gas vehicles to electric cars. Yeah. Total change. And the expertise needed and the upskilling uh, or scaling or change that had to happen within the auto industry. I mean, they're masters of it. They're mm-hmm. masters of it mm-hmm. because many, many things have changed in the way parts coming in from overseas when all the parts were made in Detroit. In the US. Or- mm-hmm. Yeah, in the U.S., in Detroit or close to Detroit. The, the interesting thing about this is, is that we know changes all transformation. We're in an age of transformation. And I'm, I think we really have to start thinking about this as we're in an age of transformation. The question now becomes, what do HR people need to know and be able to do and be able to say, know, do and say, so that they're more effective at enabling the business to meet its objectives, which is to transform make and continue to grow, um, make profits and serve customers. And remaining close to the business is something that, that my chief people officer preaches. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, absolutely the right thing. And I'm so glad that we do it. Staying close to what the business needs are mm-hmm. because the business needs to be able to feel that they are the driver of what changes need to be made. Not feel, they are the driver mm-hmm. in their markets and their mm-hmm. markets can be different. You know, what you sell and do in Charlotte is not the same thing you sell and do in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing you sell and do in New York. Mm-hmm. And so having a, 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 big picture understanding of what the or how the organization has to transform but allowing for the ability to uh, accommodate the individual markets and the way those markets have transformed mm-hmm. and how we need to transform to meet the needs of the markets the business meet mm-hmm. the needs of the business and staying close to the business is important yeah and i think if you're in a distributed hr function so you've got you know your headquarters may be in orlando but you've got hr people all around the country um servicing districts or businesses business hubs and whatnot i think it is really important for whoever the head hr person is is that they have a regular way in which they're evaluating their people on their ability to transform change to, to transform the business and it's business acumen absolutely but i think many of those hr business partners for lack for for the most part their hr business partners or hr managers that level they kind of understand the day-to-day business of what's going on right now but what they don't understand is what are the and the conversation needs to be turned up in most businesses what are the behaviors that we have to stop doing and start enabling them to be able to do how do we help them get through when you know cuz transformation is not a linear process 
No. You know, and so going into the depths of where, you know, we know we have to do something. We know where the goal is, but we may not know how to do it or we can't find the talent to do it. Or we've got resistance from people where their their performance at one time was higher than their performance is right now. Or the fact that they're disgruntled because someone's goals changed in the middle of the, you know, the year. And, you know, you've hired people who are basically maintainers. And so change of any kind always causes disruption because their skill was they produced the same thing over and over and over again at a high rate. So understanding the behaviors and having discussions around what are the current behaviors, what are the current skill levels, how does that show up with the manager, and then being able to coach the manager through that, what do you say? How do you nurture? When do you cut off the whining? <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Well, and you and you just hit on two words that have that have always haunted me. I am not a maintainer. I personally am not a maintainer. <laughs> I'm a builder. I have never been a maintainer. So the ability to to balance a group, a team of people and having some that are maintainers, because mm-hmm. you need those people to maintain. Yep. Yep. And some that are builders, the big picture thinkers, the people that can be out in the clouds and say, what if we did it this way? What would we need to do if we did, made these changes? You know, it's haunting because mm-hmm. the balance is very delicate between mm-hmm. people who maintain and you need those skills. Mm-hmm. You need those people mm-hmm. and people who build, who think big. Uh, the patients, you know, I have very little tolerance or patience for people that can't move fast. Mm-hmm. But that's also something that I personally need to guard against mm-hmm. being too much of mm-hmm. because it's too quick for people. Mm-hmm. But you also need me to push at you because mm-hmm. you need that from a main maintainer and a maintenance position. You need the people that can do the day to day who understand and know the things that other people don't know. Mm-hmm. And that balance between maintainers and builders is very delicate. You're absolutely right. What do you say to keep the builders thinking, but mm-hmm. not discourage them? Mm-hmm. How do you help the maintainers to do the work that's at hand, mm-hmm. not take the amount of whining and stress that goes with whining mm-hmm. um, in, in, being able to do the things that have to be done day to day and change prior to transformation, Mm -hmm. the way in which it's done in order to get ready for transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if we look at the HR competencies around this, you know, I think the old one, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's one in there about being a change agent or being something around where you can help the business change. But I think it's time for us to really go up under that. And and what that means is for an HR person is, is that you now have to understand how the body, the mind, neuroscience of what change does in the body and in a group. Because if you can't facilitate and leverage how to help those frontline people who you hired to deliver the same quality product, quality service, Um, repetitively um, and get them to be able to transform, prepare them for the transformation, then help them mentally go through the process of changing and what it means and have leaders or whoever the supervisors or the managers learn how to nurture 
the transformation in those individuals, it's going to be more difficult. And you're going to see a, an instant turn on return on your investment of people are going to be quitting. And I'm not saying that some of these folks might not have to quit because there's always <laughs> right, some people. Right. right. You know, however, I think you do need to have a, a conversation. Chief Human Resources Officers or whoever the head of HR is, you have to start investing in your people, the ability, the neuroscience, the, the neuroplasticity, the, the idea of how does the mind change such that it cannot be so um disrupted by the process of taking a risk of doing something that they might fail at. And, you know, uh, the rigidity of maintenance. Yeah. And, and this brings me to a, you know, of course, the love of my life, one of them uh, is talent. And, Mm -hmm. and what does this mean in the way that we recruit? Yeah. This is a question that needs to be put in my view in every hiring leaders cadre of what they ask a candidate how do you feel about constant change Mm -hmm. and the next question is how do you feel about transformation because whatever the company you know in our particular situation we are in the midst of transformation and change so if you are looking for an even keel job and this is not the way I'd ask the question but if you're looking for an even keel job where we're just going to go along we're not the place for you we are in constant growth. We are in constant change. And now we're in transformation. We are moving fast. And we do talk to people about we are, you know, fast pace, a fast paced environment. Hiring leaders and recruiters need to get a uh, an assessment for the ability for the candidate to work in a changing environment mm-hmm. and to talk about during the interview process change in the environment and transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's aspirational for a candidate. At least that's the way I would view it. It's aspirational for a candidate. I also want to gauge how much of that transformation they've had in their career. Yeah. Personally and professionally. So personally I mean how many how many companies have they worked for they themselves mm-hmm. where they were in a state of transformation and participated in that transformation. And professionally what were the outcomes of having the ability to work for a company who was in transformation? Mm-hmm. Because with transformation comes lots of opportunity. Some people want that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, maintainers or builders, mm-hmm. some people want it to be just humming along. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, oh, I love that new job. Mm-hmm. Gee, Bob, you offered me, you know, or Makisha, you got me thinking about, what could I do if we do it this way? If we don't do it this way and we change and do it that way, that opens up a career path for me. You know, when we're talking about assessing talent or bringing in talent, those interview questions, one of the things that popped in my mind was, you know, we don't, we, I mean, if, if we ask anybody, hey, can you change and how do you attack change? Yeah. The answer is going to be, yeah, I change. I'm, I'm yeah. good at change. You know, not yeah. a big deal. But I think you're, I think one thing that, you know, is a tip for people, go to, go put this on X or wherever you're going to put it, um, is that when you're looking at a person's resume, we really have to start rethinking how we look at that resume. And so that if we're in transformation and we know that we're going to be changing, a person who has a resume where they've jumped around a couple jobs, couple industries, whatnot, is exactly the kind of person that you want. Because Absolutely. if then what you want to know is how have they succeeded 
in each of those transformation and what did they learn? Right. And right. so how will they take that learning to enable them to be a leader or to be an employee in the current organization? And that's the thing that HR has to start rethinking. No matter what, I know managers, you know, there's, I, I, you've talked to them, I talk to them, oh, wait a minute, this person can't keep a job. You know, they keep jumping around, jumping around, jumping around. But in an age of transformation, it isn't that they jumped around and, and jumping around shouldn't be thought of as a negative. It actually be, should be something you should get curious about. What did you learn? How did you succeed? What were the obstacles you overcame? And then what did you learn that you could bring to us? Absolutely right. What lesson did you learn? And it can be a negative lesson. I Mm -hmm. learned that I can't, I'm making this up, but I learned that I don't do well functioning as an individual performer. Mm -hmm. I need a team around me Mm -hmm. so that I can help them and they can help me. I just talked to somebody who, you know, who asked me for some interviewing advice. And that was that was one of the things that they discovered. Because you know me, I'm always preaching. If you get the call, take the interview. If you get the call, take the interview. Doesn't mean you're being disloyal. It doesn't mean you're leaving your company. You're taking the interview. Mm-hmm. So take it. What did you learn from the interview? Mm-hmm. And that was the question I asked of this person that took the interview. D- mm-hmm. Didn't feel like they needed to go, but took the interview. And what they learned was the job that they were being that they were being interviewed for and being recruited for was an individual performer mm-hmm. that would ultimately be part of a larger team, but expected to do a particular thing. And the person said, I don't want to do that. It limits mm-hmm. me. It limits my exposure. And I don't get an opportunity to uh, to uh, learn from other mm-hmm. teammates. I don't mm-hmm. want an individual performer role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. that That's a very simple and a very, you know, good that they were smart enough and um, cognizant enough of their of their own uh, desires that they could recognize it. Absolutely. That is, and that is the key to anyone in their careers is that you have to understand what it is that you love doing and in the environment, not just the work, but in the kind of environment that you like it. Do you want to be left alone and just you know, send me the work and I'll do it? Or do you want to have that socialization? And how does that socialization have to look for you? Um, not everybody's built for remote, um, you know, work. Work. They need hybrid work. And not everybody's built for hybrid work. They need to be in a location. They do better when they're surrounded by people or the noise of people. Absolutely true. The action that happens in the office, yes. you know, and yeah. I am not a person that believes that we go one way or the other. I am not a person, you you know, I've talked about this before. I am not a person that believes every hiring leader has to see mm-hmm. all those people because my mm-hmm. argument is you're on the golf course with customers. They don't see you. Mm-hmm. So so that, you know, that argument doesn't hold water for me, mm-hmm. but there are some people that do function better in the action that mm-hmm. occurs in the mm-hmm. office. It's mm-hmm. not seeing them and seeing if they do their work. They just do better with that. It can be a glass closed door. And they're, in, they're doing their stuff and not interacting, but people are going past that glass door and somebody's pulling it up and saying, want to go grab a sandwich, want to grab a coffee. Mm-hmm. They do better in the action in the office. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, if the company is looking at maybe what it costs to fly them in and out is less than what it costs to have them in the office if they're unhappy in the office because mm-hmm. they have other things to take care of. 
We learned through COVID we can accommodate just about anybody's schedule anyway, as long as they're doing the work. And for some people working from seven in the morning until 10 at night with maybe a couple of breaks in between, but being 300 miles from the office is just peachy. Mm -hmm. It works. And their work Mm -hmm. product, their output Mm -hmm. is equal, if not better. And, you know, it's interesting because of COVID, you know, I've, I'm seeing much, many more people, managers in particular, leaders in particular, asking that very question of, because the reason they don't want them out is because they can't see, and they've used for years and years and years. I, oh, okay, I can see Denise's over that project. Now they have to get better at asking questions, and I'm working with them to help them learn how to manage people remotely. How do you ask questions to know when that person has reached capacity? But as importantly, how do you know when their day is not filled? I think absolutely true. You know, when they were in the office, it doesn't have to do with, well, nobody ever goes out for lunch. We all eat in the office. Well, what's the what's the ramification of that? Mm-hmm. People need to get out and away. And if you're not in a city location, you know, we used to talk about this all the time, you know, when big companies created these big campuses and yeah. filled them with everything. So you didn't, you know, you didn't have to leave the campus to go get your nails done, or you didn't have to leave mm-hmm. the campus to get mm-hmm. your dry cleaner. You didn't have to leave the campus to get a sandwich mm-hmm. or, or, or to go to the bank. Everything mm-hmm. was included mm-hmm. in these big campuses. Mm-hmm. They found that people didn't like that either. And their mm-hmm. productivity was, well, I'm going to go downstairs and wander to get my dry cleaning and whatever. Mm-hmm. They need a break. They need different air to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the city, you know, if you're working in New York or Chicago or, you know, someplace else, LA where you got to drive or San Francisco where you can still walk, people need to get out and walk and do yeah. and make them more productive. Yeah. 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 And, and just seeing those kinds of things. Okay. Uh, you know what, as usual, we hit the hour. I want to thank you again. And, uh, you know, it, it, for all of you who are listening here, particularly if you're the head of HR or if you're in HR in any function or a recruiter or talent management, it doesn't really matter, training, all of those. I think the biggest question and the nicest takeaway that you could have from this is this. Transformation is, is where we are. This is the age of transformation, folks. And if you don't understand how you react to the transformation, how are you going to enable other people to learn how they react and to do different, be better? How do you help them be remarkable? How do you help them lower their stress level? Because the transformation is everywhere and on all things. And if you don't think it's coming, I promise you it is just around the corner. So Debbie, last words. I just think to be ready for the transformation and to be part of the transformation, to be open to it, to greet it with open arms and know how you can contribute because someplace in your career, you've been through some kind of transformation or in your personal life, you've been through transformation and your ability to help people deal with it is Mm -hmm. one of the most important talents, the intellectual property that you bring to the organization that you work for to make them better and to find in you a willing soul to help their transformation begin and proceed through some difficult waters. They're always difficult, but they always come out with the company in a better place. Absolutely. All right. With that, 
We're here every Thursday. So look, I expect you to sign up. And if you can, it would be a world to me if you would hit that like button, leave a comment and or share it. With that, see ya. Bye-bye. Thanks, Denise. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.